You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to TFM's Local Watering Hole. I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited to have back with me as she is pretty much... Oh, wait. Have you been playing with the memory key or... Oh, excuse me. Was it, isn't it the identity key or... I don't know. You've been playing with one of the keys because you look a little bit different. Are you still Christy? Uh, no. Hey, can you take this from me? I can't do that. Sorry. My name's uh, Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I you know, it's so funny because like I was I totally forgot honestly that this show was going to be coming out um this fall mm-hmm. and I I'm so glad, actually, to be back in the Lock and Key universe. Um, you know that we really both enjoyed season one, so really excited to be back with season two this week. Yeah, I am so like it. It really did kind of miss us both because I wasn't really aware of it mm-hmm. till you were like, "Have you seen season two yet?" And I was like, "Wait, what? There's a season two? Yeah, uh, really excited. Yeah, yeah." And we were just talking about this before the show started recording, but um. You know, I I think Netflix, I don't like the way that they do their shows where they just drop everything on one day. I I think it's a mistake these days to do that. I think, um, you know, things like the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows and even the shows that you get on uh, like HBO Max, it's like one a week. You know, you might put out like the first two episodes and then the rest of it you got to wait for and. I just feel like they just drop content and people forget it's there because it's like, well, unless you watch it in the first week, like who's talking about it? You Mm -hmm. know, I just I don't get it. So that maybe doing the one a week builds the suspense more and has people Mm -hmm. hanging on waiting for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it obviously has that effect on social media, too, you know, right? Because you only have one episode to talk about and then everybody's literally on the same page you know because they haven't you know gotten to other episodes more quickly because you can't and so you know even if somebody gets to watch the episode when it comes out it drops at midnight or whatever and you have to wait till the next day you're still on the same page you're still on the same episode right and so yeah anyway but um before we get uh, into talking big time uh, about uh, lock and key season two just a quick reminder, of course, uh, you could find us wherever you do get your podcasts. Really appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, you know, if you want the shows as soon as they drop, even the bonus shows here, you want to make sure you're subscribed. So, you know, and, and you can find us wherever you get podcasts. So pretty much every single major platform or podcatcher, just subscribe. Uh, you get the show as soon as it does drop. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, special request is that you would give us a star rating and review. Um, we've got tons of great star rating and reviews over there. And, well, those really do help people find the show. Um, I know it sounds weird, but the metrics say that we get most of our listens from that 
ecosystem. And so we would really appreciate you going over there to do that. And in fact, um, we have a uh, 114 reviews, written reviews. And so, mm. uh, and tons of five star reviews. So we really appreciate everybody who's already done that. And so, you can find us all over social media, of course, as well. Uh, you can find the 602 Club on Twitter and Instagram on the 602 Club. Uh, it's just at the 602 Club there on Twitter, and then it's at the 602 Club TFM on Instagram. Uh, you can find us with the entire network over on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And then, of course, you can join the listeners-only discussion group, which is on Facebook. It's called the Babel Conference. So if you'd like to talk to listeners from all over the world uh, in that closed group you can join there and of course we've got the website at track.fm and we do want to say a huge thank you to all of our social producers here on patreon uh ken trip davis grayson ryan millette and daniel noah we want to thank you so much uh for joining the show and supporting the show through patreon there is absolutely no way that we could do this without their support uh and if you would like to make sure that Trek FM doesn't have to close our doors and that the episodes keep coming to you each and every week, go to patreon.com slash Trek FM and see how you can be a part of the team. So, Christy, we did, we mentioned this a little bit, um, but just kind of refresh uh, from where we left off with season one and then moving into season two, um, mm-hmm. where, where were you, were you excited when season one ended to get to a season two of lock and key, or was this just something that you were like, Oh, I mean, I'll watch it when I get a chance to. No, I was really hanging on waiting for a season two because the way that they left off season one, if you remember was they were trying to get rid of Dodge by kicking her into the portal in the sea caves and Dodge had used the identity key and they actually kicked Ellie in and then locked her in. Um, And we didn't know if they would ever find out that they actually got rid of Ellie and not Dodge. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how that was going to play out with Dodge now being still in our world. Um, It just left a lot of things open-ended in a really great way that just keeps you ready and waiting for the next one. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I, I think this was definitely a show to which they had done a great cliffhanger uh, and really kind of left you on the edge of your seat. Because like you said, they did this thing where they took a character that, you know, you had grown to really like um, and they threw her into hell on accident and didn't realize that they had done that. Yeah. And um, I, I think I was really excited to see, you know, how they would um, play with that. And I think, you know, um, it was one of those things where there's so much content coming out these days. And, you know, we talked about that last week when we were uh, discussing um, Red Notice with Scott and just the fact that it can be so hard to remember that content's coming out because you have so many different platforms and so much is getting dumped on us all at one time. But I was very excited when this was coming and um you know it came out a few weeks back now it's been probably a month or so since the show actually dropped but i had waited till we were going to record about it um to kind of really sit down and and watch the series um through this this second season 
so I'd be fresh. And man, I did not expect this season necessarily to do what it did, and I'm very glad that it did, which is that we actually really got into the history. Mm-hmm. We got into the history of the locks and how they have this power, how the door got discovered, um, and all of those things, and how far it dates back. And to me, that was really exciting, and I think actually really added a lot to the show to kind of give us answers to a lot of the questions that the first season had raised. Right. Like, I think everyone's probably biggest question initially when the show started was, where did the keys come from? How did they get made? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why are they here? Like, we know, obviously, what we're we're learning what each one does, but why? Um, And then, you know, ultimately, what's the goal of using them? You know, what's it going to accomplish? Mm -hmm. So, I think that it was really good, like you said, that they got into how the Locke family ended up starting in this house um, and how they're connected to the keys. um, And the process of making the keys was really cool. Yeah. Uh, And every time somebody said keeper of the keys, all I could think of was Hagrid. (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) but so. With that revelation, though, about the keys themselves and where they come from and all of that, um, what did you think then about the answers that we got? The fact that, you know, this goes back to uh, basically the Revolutionary War uh, is when this cave was, you know, first discovered and Mm -hmm. the locks first kind of intertwine themselves with this power. It's interesting because I'm not sure how they're going to connect that piece of it um, because they clearly, you know, showed that as a defining piece of the story and that it was, you know, the colonists versus the British. Um, But I'm like, is that then going to be part of the future season if they do one? Or is it purely still about just human world versus demon world? So that'll be interesting. Oh, you mean like, is it going to be British against American? Right. Again? Like, what, how, <laughs> how does that really connect to the rest of the story? It seemed mm-hmm. irrelevant to me. So I'm just kind of like, eh. Um, but maybe it was just because of the time period they wanted to make it in that they were like, why not just mm-hmm. start it there? Yeah. I I thought that it made sense to me that they would kind of move that far back and maybe not go any farther, you know, because if you're going to kind of ground this in any kind of history or reality, I mean, you know, just put it this way, white people have only been here for so long, right? Right. You know, and so um, to have this family be the one that was connected with this cave, um, it made sense that, you know, the Revolutionary War was um, the the kind of the the tipping point um and also too i mean as well you also have to have people who um had some sort of metallurgy uh or understanding of of how to you know craft keys you know so you can only go so far back in america as well um for that and so i think they made the right choice in choosing the revolutionary war and I thought it was really exciting. I, I love that time period anyway. Um, and I think 
that it's it's always an interesting place to be in for me. Um, I grew up kind of loving uh, the history of that and uh, just really you know, tons of books read about it and everything like mm. that. But um, I think it made sense. And I I don't think that in the future it'll be about, you know, obviously anything to do with British versus American. Um, but, you know, because it, it anytime it seems like in this show that somebody gets taken over by one of the demons from the door, their their thought process has nothing to do with anything basically in our world. It's about their own desires and what they're trying to right. do. And so I, I think this just added a great way to kind of give some historical context um, and kind of ground this in that reality, mm-hmm. but show how how f- the locks came to possess this type of magic and why it is their family then becomes intertwined with the way that the keys work and the way that keys can then be made, because that's another thing that we really learned throughout this history was we learn a lot more about the keys themselves and how the keys got made in the first place in this history lesson. And that was really interesting too. Yeah. And I think we're kind of saying the same thing in different ways of just um, the time period that it was set in for the Locke family to start out was convenient to, you know, when Mm -hmm. keys would have been started being made here and stuff. And so it just works. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, I, I do think that the making of the keys was the coolest part and getting to learn about, like you said, like how they had to start with the right intention for what they want the key mm-hmm. to do and really like focus on that. And then how it also kind of connected to like, um, like witchcraft or something of like, you have to yeah, put the, yeah. the blood of a family member in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was the one you know, when it came to this history, uh, that was the one thing that I felt like was maybe it kind of like went a little bit too far. The fact mm. that, you know, the original Locke brothers sister would understand metallurgy and alchemy um, kind of stretched credulity for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and look, I get we're in this like kind of mystical, magical show but just for somebody, even in that time period, to have that kind of understanding of alchemy, it definitely wasn't normal, right? Um, especially since they come from a locksmith family, and 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 like they're, you know, I, I don't know that that was the one thing in this that I was just like, mm, I don't. I don't know that anybody would just absolutely know that off the top of their head. Yeah, no, I agree with you how the they were saying that the original colonists sister, Peter Locke's sister was um suddenly knowledgeable about alchemy. Yeah. yeah. I didn't buy it either. It was like wh- what book did you read? Were you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, in your own little cave before this happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was weird. Yeah, because I mean, again, and I, it, I guess in that time period, there's a better chance it would be more of something that one would have some familiarity with than now. Mm-hmm. I mean, alchemy is not necessarily a thing that unless you're really into 
the idea of um, fantasy stories and those type of things. That's how, you know, why you would understand alchemy. In fact, you know, alchemy and its properties and kind of its understanding of things is a really big part of of the Harry Potter series, actually. Mm. And really kind of follows many of um, the main tenets of of alchemy, which is a fascinating, interesting book. If anybody's interested, they can hit me up on Twitter if they want to know more. Um, But so... But that part, yeah. Um, I I think, though, too, I, one of the things, you know, on top of the fact that we get this history lesson is, is you know, one of the fun things about this show is this idea of keys, right? And here we actually truly learn what these keys are, which it's not just the that, you know, if you get shot by one of the uh, whispering iron bullets that you become infected with a demon. These keys are literally demons. Right, because everyone has to be made from whispering iron. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's basically just like a demon encased in a key. Yeah, it's a demon yeah. key. Um, and so uh, before we kind of talk about the new keys we got, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, because this kind of, you know... Their their uncle Duncan says that you know they're neither good nor bad. It's the intention that you give them. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, well, I, yeah, but I mean, it's still literally a demon trapped inside of it. So, like, what true good can happen by taking something evil and just giving it a better intention? Like, it's still powered by a demon. Mm-hmm. And it almost kind of, it really struck me as like, how good can these things really be? I mean, you can make good keys with good intentions, but isn't that what the road to hell is paved with? With good intentions? Yeah. Exactly. And so maybe playing with this power isn't good at all because, and, and for all the quote unquote good they do, it's also cost a lot of lives. Exactly. Well, and if you look at, I mean, unfortunately, the situation with Tyler thinking he can now make a key makes the alpha key, which you think, especially with the name of that episode being Alpha and Omega, um, is possibly going to be a good thing. And I mean, it is from a certain point of view, but it ends up killing Jackie. I mean, he's... Well, I mean, it ends up killing a lot of people. Like, Well, yeah, I mean, because <laughs> they were all possessed by demons. But mm-hmm. I think also Great. I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you look at all the other keys compared to the alpha key, the alpha key is the only one that actually doesn't really look like a key on the end. Yeah, it's different true. from all the others. Mm-hmm. And so it yeah. makes me think that maybe it was exactly like Aaron's character was saying of like, you don't fully understand this and yet you're playing around with fire. Yeah, I, I I like what you're saying there because, and I saw the same thing when they made the alpha key because yes, it is very different. And in, it's very true that the beauty of the alpha key is that it does free you from the demon, mm-hmm. but then you die because it's it's like your body can't continue on after being controlled by a demon. Right. And so this just, it really led me to think you know, and I wonder if season three is going to discuss this at all. Um, because, you know, 
and, and something I guess we'll talk about later is about where Tyler, you know, ends up by the end of the season and what he chooses mm-hmm. and why he chooses that. But it does almost seem like the whispering iron, it's whispering to you to get you to use it. Mm-hmm. And you could pour good intentions into something evil, right? But in the end, it still causes evil. Like even the best of keys can be used for the worst of, of circumstances. And and mainly it's because like we as human beings like have a, this ability to turn great power into not responsibility, but to destruction. Mm-hmm. And I I was just really, really struck by this idea. And, you know, I mean, we, you could get super spiritual with it if you want. But, like, you know, playing with the devil is not a, th- a thing to do. You know, playing yeah. with demons is not a thing to do. You don't open the world. You don't open the door to the demonic world. You shut the door, you lock it, and you never go back. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, it it seems to me that the power has whispered in their ear that, oh, I can play around with fire and I'll be fine. It's like it's like playing around with a lion as if it's your pet. Yeah. You know, you can kick your dog, but you can't kick a lion. Mm-hmm. And it's like trying to do the same thing, you know, like trying to treat it the same. And it just doesn't work like that. I was trying to figure out where you were going with that. I was like, Wait, we're kicking dogs now. <laughs> but no, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could get away with kicking your dog, right? Yeah. In the sense that like, but you can't get away with kicking a lion. Right. No, you'll lose you know? a leg. Um, yeah. A, a 100%. You're going to lose yeah. a leg. Um, and so um, I, there's a... And this this will sound weird, but there's a pastor I love, and he tells a story about how um, they were at a camp, and there's these fainting goats, mm-hmm. and um, they were told, you know, please, you know, don't play around with the fainting goats, you know, like, it's not, you know, and of course, everybody was trying to scare the fainting goats to- See them faint. You know, it, exactly. But he's like, you wouldn't do that to a lion. No. Right? Like, because you'll get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> you do that to a goat because you know you can take the goat. Right. Right. And so it, this is this is the thing, though, here. It's like people feel like they can play with the whispering iron. And should they be? And I just I, I was the, that question does kind of get asked in the episode uh, or in the season. And I I think that. It's interesting to watch this power kind of corrupt people. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they show that. I mean, I'm glad that, like you said, like they mentioned in the show, these keys are still made ultimately from something evil. So, you know, and maybe even it was Aaron that said that. So it was like, you know, you have to understand that even though you want to do good with them, they may not be capable of that. And that ultimately there's mm-hmm. this power in them that you will never fully understand and could always be used against you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was just, you know, it was one of those things that just, it really fascinated me. And I think it, it made for, you know, incredibly interesting conversation. And I think one of the things that I appreciated is that it was, there was that kind of depth to the show that it would ask this question that it wouldn't just, you know, have this power, have where it comes from and to never ask that question as if, you know, everything's copacetic. It's not, right? you know, and you know, but that also means that, you know, just like the, the first season, you know, we get a bunch of new keys here. And in fact, you know, every episode is about really kind of discovering a new key. And I was going to ask you, you know, regardless of, you know, where they come from, did you have any favorite keys or any that really surprised you or you thought were really cool? And on the other side, was there any of them that you're like, I, well, I really, really need that key? Um. So I'm trying to think. Um, I th- I thought the small world key was really cool. I'm like, dang! If everyone could yeah. have a dollhouse version of their house and be able to just you know check in on it. <laughs> yeah. Also, pretty creepy. Oh, you that's know? true. Like, I'm I'm thinking of all the terrible ways that you that that could be used. Yeah. Someone's um, always but watching. It was <laughs> exactly. Um, and you had to talk about Big Brother watching you. <laughs> um, but I also I thought it was it was it was cool the way that they utilized that though. Um, in the sense of you know having the outside world influence the little house, you know, mm-hmm. like by putting a glass in there or having the monster God, spider oh, because the spider. The, you know, that was terrifying. Yeah. No. I if if I was one of the kids in the house at that time, I think I would have just fainted. Mhm. I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was terrifying. Um I I thought that the Hercules key was really cool mm-hmm. because I think obviously you would want to make a key where you could be like really strong. I thought that was really fun. Um, and I thought the uh, angel key was pretty cool too. And did you like how they added props to like make them more effective? I guess like the Hercules key comes with a belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting and it actually made like sense the fact that you would have like a you know because like when you're lifting weights you have the the belt yeah like back support help with your back Mm -hmm. support yeah absolutely um and you know i thought it made sense that you know with the angel key that you had a you know basically a place for the wings to come out so it wasn't just like they popped out of your body (laughs) Um, i thought that was really interesting um and the the only one that I thought was kind of strange was the chain key where, you know, it comes out of that box and you can kind of control people with the chain. Um, that one was useful, but it also like wasn't as exciting necessarily as the other keys. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish I there would have been like more behind the scenes given in the episode as to why that one was created in the first place. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, because if you think about it, too, all the other ones you can actually use in any door to use for the purpose that you're intending with them. But this one, it has to be inserted in that lock specifically. Well, I don't know. I guess now that you mentioned it, that the Hercules key can only be used in the belt. Yeah, and the angel key, too, with the angel yeah. suit. So I so. guess we've got new functions for keys now. 
mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. may, maybe they don't work in every lock. You know, obviously the biggest one too, I thought was really interesting uh, and really added to the show and was something that I was kind of hoping for was the memory key. Yeah. You know, because I felt like it made sense to finally give Nina that opportunity to be able to join magic and it was great to be able to of course you know have duncan be able to join as well and i also really enjoyed the fact that they finally answered the question like why do adults forget magic like right you know i I thought this is one of the things that i thought was really good about the season is that again it was answering a lot of questions that season one had raised and it was giving you satisfactory answers i thought to that while subtly raising some new questions, which is always smart, especially if you're going to continue a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it. It's. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that again? I've kind of lost it for a minute. Uh, no, I was just saying about you know how the the memory key um, gives us the um, the answer to like why people lose um, the memory of magic as they get older, why they don't remember that kind of stuff. And that's why I pulled that stunt of losing my memory. Yeah. See, there you go. (laughs) Very funny, Christy. I took you totally seriously there too. You jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So yeah, I I think that it was really cool to finally get to see that one um, to show how it affected Duncan. But then also, like you were saying, you know, it how it can be a good thing and a bad thing. The memory key was helpful, as we saw toward the end um, with Bodhi trying to give his mom a little bit of peace. Um, But then Mm -hmm. also it could be a bad thing, you know, when... Um, Tyler and Jackie are going back and forth. You can really suddenly see that sense of like, it's not now just about it giving you back memories or taking memories away. It can also be a question of free will. You know, Jackie basically mm-hmm. chooses to grow older and to change and to n- intentionally not remember magic because mm-hmm. she wants that choice. Yeah. And and I that totally makes sense and I'm glad that Tyler didn't press it on her. You could tell that he he wanted her to do it because he wanted that connection to her like they had before. Um but it was good that they showed that it it was a choice, you know, because once you make that choice, you can't take it back. Mhm. So, yeah, I I thought that was really beautiful how deep that moment was and that then it it plays out Mm -hmm. in the rest of their relationship. I I thought it was something that made a lot of sense when you look at Tyler and why he wouldn't want to remember because Mm -hmm. magic killed his girlfriend. Magic killed the person he loved and in some ways, why wouldn't you want to forget that? Yet at the same time, we're not meant in our lives to just forget things mm-hmm. because we also forget the then the reasons and the lessons that we're supposed to learn from those things. And I think that Tyler learned some really important lessons there that he will no longer have. And to just let go of those lessons, I don't think is the right call. 
Um, I think it's 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 not wise to just stop learning. <laughs> um, and you're bound to repeat those same mistakes in the future if you don't learn from your lessons. And I, I think that's the thing that really um, I'm worried about for him is like, how might he repeat the same mistakes and not know it because he can't remember? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I to me that was just really fascinating and, and wasn't really necessarily, I think, the right call. I get 100% why he did it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was the right, right thing to do. Hmm. So. That's actually not the way that I would have thought that you thought about the situation. Um, and I kind of feel differently. You know, I, I guess I felt like, for one, I could understand why he would choose not to remember because it was just too painful. Sure. Um, but then also, I think that he is kind of being the strong one and the reasonable one in the situation because he's basically saying that at some point he's the oldest of all the, the siblings. And now that their dad is gone, that he's kind of got to like step up and be like the man of the house to be someone that their mom can lean on. And so I think he's also choosing to not remember magic because he wants to be who she needs. And I, I guess I can understand what you're saying, but I also think that that puts in him at a disadvantage because there is going to be, he's not going to remember what happened to his dad. He's not mm. going to remember why it happened to his dad. He's not going to remember a lot of things that, him and his siblings experience like he's going that's all going to be gone mm -hmm. um and, and i think the thing that makes me say that tyler made the wrong decision is by looking at what we got with duncan in the story mm -hmm. and duncan we saw how him not having his memories really hurt him it hurt his relationships and uh, because there was this thing that was between him and those he loved. We also see the way that it's hurt Nina because there's this part of her that feels disconnected from everybody else because there's something missing. Truly, there's something missing. Yeah. And I also think that the, the show shows us the reason that it's a mistake is because remember what happened when... Kinsey took her fear out. Oh, that's true. You know, when you're missing a part of yourself, you're missing a part of your history, you're missing a part of who you are, mm -hmm. you are not whole. And Tyler will not be whole because he's literally excised a piece of him. And I just, you know, that. so those are all the reasons I would say I think it's a mistake. So I get that. I'm glad that you added that part because I, I do... Um, think I wasn't thinking fully about that piece of it. And, and two, I mean, I worried about, um, to play, um, devil's advocate for a minute. Um, I worry about the future if they come into situations like this again, and now it's just going to be Bodie and Kinsey versus the world. He right. won't be able to Although help they, them. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have 
you know, Nina and um, they'll have Duncan. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. And it, it makes him a liability instead of a help. Right. right. Like, so, yeah. No, that's a great, I think that's a great point as well. Uh, 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 as another kind of good point as to why maybe he's making the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a whole season of television. It's 10 episodes and there's a lot of story here. Mm-hmm. But the main storyline is that Gabe, who is Dodge, is working with Eden to try to make more keys and specifically a demon key so that he can create more demons so that he can take over this world. Mm-hmm. And um, it's our, you know, hero's jobs to stop him. And so um, I thought that, you know, we've talked a little bit about the storyline that we got um, there for Tyler. And so maybe it might be a good idea to try and just tackle this by character. Yeah. Uh, And so instead of like obviously trying to talk through uh, 10 episodes. So uh, what did you think about the storyline we got for Kinsey, who has been dating Gabe and, you know, she had taken out her fear uh, and how do you feel like they progressed her in this in this season? And, and did you like where they ended up taking the character? I felt like she had the strongest story of all the characters in this season. And I liked that because in the first season, I have to admit, she was a little annoying to me. Um, she seemed like she was just the sulky one. And, um, you know, we, we did see her take her fear out before, which then I felt like made her even worse because she was just like, I'm not afraid of anything, and I'm the sulky one, you know. So this time we really got to... Now I'm super obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> but this time we really got to see another side of her, uh, a softer side, and see, mm. got to see her struggling with um, having chosen Gabe to be in a relationship, but then mm. still having feelings that were unresolved for Scott. And then ultimately being justified in having that uneasiness because it turned out that Gabe was mm. playing her the whole time because Gabe was actually a demon. Right. Um, and I, I like that they still continue kind of that mention in, on the sidelines of her doing this movie, the splattering. Um, it's kind of a funny parallel that they're kind of in a horror story in their quote unquote real lives and then. She was an mm-hmm. actress in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was just a good way to kind of keep those characters together a lot. Um, and I like that she ends up becoming a lot stronger on her own and realizing these things that mm-hmm. she had done wrong. Like, you can't just remove your fear and be like, haha, I conquered it. No, you just moved mm-hmm. it. <laughs> You know, you have you have to learn how to live with it and control it, not just take it out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's a really good point about her character. And, uh, you know, I, I think in many ways it, it kind of reminds me, obviously, of, of Star Trek, you know, five, where Kirk talks about how he needs his pain. And and mm-hmm. I think really what it is and, and one of the things that we've talked many, many times about in this show really is the the need for us to have our history Mm -hmm. and 
to understand our history, not just larger history, but our own, right? And so if we remove a piece of ourselves, we are going to hurt ourselves. And fear is a big part of our lives. And it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. You know, uh, and when it's working correctly with the rest of our senses and, and our understandings of the world, it can save our lives. And and so absolutely, I, I agree with you. I think Kenzie became a much more likable character in this season. Um, I think she had a great arc like you talked about. And I think it was really nice to see her get a chance to kind of, I I guess in many ways, especially once she gets her fear back, she has the ability to think about other people other than just herself, really. Yeah. And I thought that was something that was kind of beautiful as well. Yeah, because you also have to have some kind of fear in order to then decide to rise above it and protect the people Mm -hmm. that you're afraid are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's when she really kicks into wanting to protect her mom, Yep, wanting to protect Bodhi. I'm glad we actually got to see that she cares about Bodhi <laughs> because most of the time it seemed like she was spending all her time with Tyler and uh, he yes. was just, you know, yep. some kid that was in the way. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was great to see, you know, Bodhi have to, you know, he lost his best friend in Rufus Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's trying to make new friends and obviously it's not always as easy for him to make friends. And, you know, he gets that opportunity here to do that. And I liked kind of watching him be slightly more assertive, you know, and start kind of becoming his own person, you know, aside from just the one who's following his siblings around and, um, you know, I, I think the great part about Bodhi as a character is that he's really well utilized for the story. And yet at the same time, they don't overuse him. Right. Um, and I think they kind of have the real good equilibrium of just how much of that character we need in each season. And I think, yeah, he, I really enjoyed what they did with him and like, I don't think there's anything for me that's super specific other than the fact that I think he's just a character in this show who usually ends up helping move the plot along. And at the same time, the kid is a really enjoyable child actor and I enjoy when he's on screen and that's a huge plus. Oh, definitely. I mean, not all child actors are created equal and he definitely carries the scenes that he's in. Um, I think that you're right that he doesn't play a huge role, but he, you could definitely always see how his presence affects things and helps it move along. Like, you know, he was the first one in this season to discover that Ellie was the one that got kicked inside the door. Um, he uses the anywhere key to go visit Rufus and find out those things. Um, so that was cool. And I, I like that he got to show that he was still a kid even though he has the ability to use these keys and things yes yep kids still make silly mistakes because there's a lot they don't know Mm -hmm. yet and i think that exhibit a was him thinking that he had the upper hand against eden when the glass was over Mm her yeah and then it starts to break and you can see it on her face with excitement and his face with terror Mm -hmm. of oh no it's not indestructible (laughs) 
Right. No, absolutely. I think you're 100% correct there. And, you know, I mean, in some ways, you know, and he's being egged on um, by Gabe. Yeah. But to see him be a kid and kind of play with these keys, right? And and that's part of it. Like, and I think Gabe kind of shows what we were talking about earlier, where it's like these keys do kind of have a mind of their own um, and an ability to kind of they can help you make a quote unquote good decisions or bad decisions, you know? And so I, I, th- I thought that was really great um, because I, I thought that whole little scene there, one that could have been seen as a throwaway, it was actually something that kind of was a part of the thematic elements of the rest of the season. So um, Nina has a pretty big storyline in the season as she is continuing to kind of, try and move forward, you know, from what happened to them the last year and trying to kind of find a new life. And of course, you know, gets into relationship with someone. And so how did you feel like all of that went for her, especially where we end then too, with the possibility of her joining the world of magic? So I'm going to be a total girl for a second and say, whew, uh, that one scene I was sweating because they had some chemistry. (laughs) Her and Josh. Holy crap. Uh, I'm glad that Nina finally was starting to realize that she missed in a, in a good way, a meaningful way, just being held Mm -hmm. by someone um, and feeling needed because she had gotten to a point where she was so caught up in her own, grief that her kids had to move on and then at that point they had all moved on without her and not that they didn't need her anymore but you know she felt that way she felt very alone um Mm -hmm. and then all of these strange things are happening that no one will explain to her right so yeah i mean it, it was nice that she finally got to meet someone that she could have a conversation with feel like she mattered to um and mm-hmm. be pampered. Yeah. No, I agree with that and um you know I think I I, I what the part that I really enjoyed uh about her storyline was the way in which she realizes that she does need to find a life of her lo- of her mm-hmm. own but at the same time she also realizes that and and this is the part that I really enjoyed is that she realized something is missing between her and her kids. Yeah. Like there are things to which she, and, and this is the, the thing about the, you know, the, the whole part about magic is there is something that she can remember basically missing, you know, it's like little pieces of her and, and they keep adding up over time. And I thought it was really nice to be able to see um, that makes sense. And to see her, you know, again, when Bodhi finally gives her that choice to join, you know, the world of magic, you know, I hope that she'll make that choice because I think it'll be more fun to actually have her as a part of the stories mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, kind of on the sidelines. And obviously, I think it's going to be really important moving forward as w- for her to be a part of the world of magic. But I did think, you know, they had chemistry and I thought it was really interesting. I was really worried 
maybe this is a good time to you know talk about the the new characters. Mm-hmm. But I was actually really worried that Josh was going to end up being a bad guy, and I appreciated that the show didn't go that route. Yeah. By having him be a bad guy. Um, and I thought it was nice to, you know, he's a little bit behind Nina because of what happened to him, you know, ha- having just lost his wife and it's still very fresh and he's kind of going through all the stages that Nina mm-hmm. did. And what I really appreciate about the show, and I think it's really realistic and I thought was really well done is the fact that if anybody has been through a tragedy or a time where they have lost a loved one or have gone through like a divorce or something like that, any time that you have been separated from somebody, you can't just jump into a relationship. And right. have it work out. That's just not how things work. It just takes time. It does. Absolutely takes time. And I really appreciated that they show us that because I think too many times what we get in shows is people just jumping from one relationship to the next as if that's how things actually work in real life. And that's just, and it's an unrealistic expectation. And I think it hurts people watching these shows because it helps feed the lie that, well, I can just, I'll just be happy if I find the right person, or if I could just get with a person or what. And that, no, you, you need the healing and you need the time to like become right with yourself right. uh, before you can actually be with somebody else. And so I thought that was really well done. And, and I, I liked him. He was great. And, um, I, you know, his daughter was great. And, you know, the fact that she, becomes Bodie's new best friend. And I really thought that went well. I liked her. She was very cute. Mm -hmm. I thought she was a good addition. She's another good child actor, which again, this show has done a great job with all the kids that they've cast. And so um, I really appreciated um, Josh and Jamie, you know, I thought they did a great job with that. I did want to ask you though, um, if you ever had the thought at one point that they were going to say that Josh and Nina are actually family members. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> because wow, they're talking would, about no. his descendants mm-hmm. and, and her descendants. And I was like, Oh no, Oh no, please don't tell me they're going to be like, they're actually related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's not do an accidental, you know, Luke and Leia or thing. Game of let's Thrones not go thing. The whole Game of Thrones route. No, thank thank God, I don't think they're going to yeah, go there. So, so no, thank goodness they did clearly state that he was related to Frederick Gideon, not Peter Locke. Right. Well, and she married into the Locke family anyway. Well, that's so, true. Good point. You know, Good thankfully, point. yeah. So, <laughs> but no, I I hear you. Um, and. You know, we have a brand new villain uh, with Frederick Gideon, played by Kevin Durand. And I, you know, I think the thing that I was really excited about was the way that they introduce him. He's despicable and terrible. And 
I love that we have him to look forward to in season three. Right. Like he was despicable before he was possessed by a demon. Yeah. And then that just mixed in and made it worse. You thought he was bad before the demon. (laughs) (laughs) So. But he was perfect. Like it it, it was. Yeah. um, And I think it's really interesting, too, because what it does is it kind of like. It amplifies then who he is, you know, like it's amplified all of his worst tendencies. And so Mm -hmm. you put that kind of ambition and terror in a person before, you know, demonhood. And now uh, it's just going to be, well, all hell breaks loose. So, And I thought it was so fitting, unexpected, but uh, fitting surprise that he dumps Eden in the well Mm -hmm. to get her out of the way because at first you're thinking oh she's like no I've had enough of Gabe I'm calling the shots now and he's like oh no 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 no." well and I think that made sense that he would do that he doesn't want to be beholden to anybody or have anyone with him he doesn't care about anybody and I think that's great and I think you know as we look forward towards a season three Mm -hmm. which you know they've started shooting already and i want to ask you um as we move forward are what are you looking for are you looking for them to just basically hopefully have a trinity of seasons or are you hoping that this show you know continues farther out my thing is that i've realized with this show and with a lot of others is that i want it to continue till its natural end Mm -hmm. if it goes past that and there's no story to tell but they're trying to stretch it out then it won't be good um Mm -hmm. i think here they've still got enough to go on because there's still so much mystery we need to find out Mm. what happened to ellie when she was inside you know that hell of the um omega door or whatever um you know, how has that changed her? Is she now like forever part demon or something because she was literally part of that world for however long? Um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the new villain interacts with everyone and what his plans are. Um, and seeing now that like we talked about, Tyler doesn't decide to remember magic if that's going to be a problem. Or if the rest of the family is going to be able to pick up and fight him without Tyler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am with you in the sense that I do think that shows should kind of have a natural conclusion. And kind of come to that and, and don't try to push the story forward. To me, this series feels like season three would be the natural end. Just because... It, it's kind of come full circle, mm-hmm. you know, like we've answered all the questions about the history. We've answered the questions about, you know, their dad and his friends. Mm-hmm. And because especially since, you know, we didn't talk about it, but they they finally, you know, give Aaron freedom um, before she dies. Right. And so moving forward, um, I, I think 
this show feels like you know now that you've brought it back to the original enemy mm-hmm. from the for the Locke family, this is the natural end. Like this is the big finale of like the full season uh, season's art, you know. And mm-hmm. that if you tried to extend it past that, it's like, well, I mean, who else could be a bigger enemy than the one who's been plaguing the Locks from the very beginning? Right. So, um. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I think once this plays out that that could be a very good, comfortable, natural end for the show and I'd be okay with it. Um, But I don't know. Like, I, I still am like, is is it going to be um, a good way to continue on with always having a new, bigger bad than Dodge? Right. right. Um, But yeah. then again, I'm like, it kind of... I don't know. I, f- I wonder if they could have kept going on with Dodge in some way because that actress was so good. I really thought mm-hmm. Dodge was such a good villain and she was a yeah. big part of it. And I and I have to say props to the actor that played Gabe because he was so believable. Did you not absolutely love him? Oh, no, I, I thought... I thought, and that's the thing about the show so far, honestly, is I found the casting great all around. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I think the cast is phenomenal, you know, and I think one of the things that, you know, helps the show is the way that so many of the different characters have chemistry together. Um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's really nice that, you know, um, Scott and... Kinsey have great chemistry and you know Tyler and Jackie had good chemistry and like you were talking about Josh and and Nina have good chemistry like all these people mm-hmm. um have you know work really well together and I think that's really important when you're watching a show you want that and so no I agree with you um and again I I'm just at a loss as to think of like how do you keep like you said how do you keep trying to one up yourself Right. And do you really want that? Because in the end, it, it you know, you're just kind of done, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, and, you know, I think tell a story that really does a great job of honoring the characters and you know then allowing you to um allow them to come like you said a natural conclusion i think that's a really smart idea mm-hmm. so it'll be fascinating you know to to see what they do with season 3 and how it goes and if they decide to do any more but um christy um looking forward to seeing how uh, and where you're going to land with your ratings for lock and key season 2 so really, I don't have much that I would change or that I were, was not happy with. Um, so, and I will say, I don't know if you felt the same, but all the way up to the very, very end, I was just sitting there like leaning toward the TV, yelling at the characters like, no, don't do that. Why would you go outside? You know, <laughs> It oh, it was so funny. So uh, I have to give it a four and a half out of five small world keys. Because, nice. and I probably mentioned this when we covered the first season as well, but 
I've always had a thing for old houses, skeleton keys. I always thought Mm -hmm. were really cool. I have several times in my life for some reason found keys that I still don't know where they go. And I just keep them because I'm like, this is cool. It's a mystery. So that Mm -hmm. in itself had me fascinated about this show. And then they've had the plot to go with it. You know, I think that it could have been bad if they didn't have a strong enough story to carry it on. But they really do. Mm -hmm. And 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 it started from a comic book. And I think that's part of it. But Yep. It really just has blossomed. So, yep. yeah, I'm very happy with it. I can't wait to see season three. What about you? I am 100% there with you. In fact, I would give this the same rating. Oh. And the only reason I wouldn't give this a five out of five is because I did feel like episode nine, the penultimate episode of the mm-hmm. season, wasn't necessary. Uh, in the sense that I felt like a lot of things that happened in that episode could have been condensed uh, and put into episodes that it it's sandwiched between. Mm-hmm. And you could have just had those been slightly longer episodes and you didn't necessarily need 10 episodes. You could have just had nine. Yeah. And, but... All that to say is that I thought this was a really good season, uh, a sophomore season for a Netflix show, which, I mean, in all honesty, for me, Stranger Things seasons two struggles mm-hmm. and uh, somewhat, and this show didn't really. Um, I would say that when it comes to sophomore seasons of a show, this is one of the better ones, and I really like this show. I think it's really well done. The production value is fantastic in it. And I think um, the thing that I was struck by was just a lot of times when we've talked about Netflix shows, there's too many times where there are maybe one or two or three episodes where you're like, oh man, I don't, eh, it was just, it was an okay episode. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was, you know, I just, it it wasn't really exciting. Mm -hmm. This really didn't have that until that very end. And even then, like, it wasn't like I wasn't enjoying watching this the show. So uh, I'm very happy with season two. I'm actually very much looking forward to now season three. They do have me on the edge of my seat, um, you know, waiting for that season. So, yeah, I'm really excited to get to it. And what I'm also really excited to get to is your recommendation this week, Chrissy. So I'm so excited about my recommendation this week because it's something that I recently discovered from some YouTubers I love named uh, Rhett and Link. They were playing through a video game and I thought, oh my gosh, that is a perfect game for our niece and nephew for Christmas. And I can't wait to play it with them. It is called Supermarket Shriek instead of Supermarket Sweep, which you may have heard of if you're our age. (laughs) Um... It is basically um, just designed to be a ridiculous game of you and a teammate play a guy and his pet goat who are stuck in a shopping cart together going through an obstacle course. And the way that you move the cart is by how loud or soft you scream. That's the game. You and a goat screaming to try and get through an obstacle course. And I'm just like, that is I funny. love it. So I recommend checking out Supermarket Shriek 
which I also just bought for Nintendo Switch for our niece and nephew who are seven and nine and are going to love it. <laughs> nice. That's hilarious. Um, well, I am going to recommend to everybody something that uh, I have been reading. I'm almost done with it, and I'm really enjoying it, especially here at this time of the uh, season. But I'm reading J.K. Rowling's new book, the Christmas Pig, mm. and it is delightful. It's a very fun and quick read, and it is so worth it. I, I think everybody is just going to enjoy reading it. Um, it's it's just a really, you know, like all of her books, it it's heartwarming, and at the same time, you know, it's about something more. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I haven't finished it yet, and I can't wait to finish it. You know, I have about less than 100 pages left and i can't i just i'm i'm super excited it, it and it, and it's it's just a great like classic it i mean you could almost see it playing out in the 60s claymation style oh okay it's 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 so good so worth checking out so i hope everybody will check out the christmas pig by jk rowling but christy uh where can everybody find you if they want to catch up with you and see what you've got going on you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And of course, also sometimes in the Babel Conference. And then when I'm not here on 602 Club, I also do a show called Sabers and Spells with my friends Amanda and Teresa, where we talk about geeky stuff we don't usually get to cover. So I hope you'll check that out as well at Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. Of course, you could find me all over social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. So, you know, whether that's uh, Twitter, or Instagram, Vero, Letterbox, all those places, you could find me. Uh, you could find me here on the network uh, in the Six Hundred Two Club feed with a couple of bonus shows you can check out: uh, Snyder Cuts as well as Assembling Avengers. Uh, both of those are with John Mills. Of course, doing a few other shows here on the network, doing Literary Treks, The Orb, and Warp 5. Uh, Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And then The Orb is about Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. And then over on the Nerd Party Network, two shows. One is a finished show. It's completed. We talked about Harry Potter. It's called Owl Post, and I did that with Drea Kaufman, and we went through every single chapter of that series. Uh, And then talking about... Star Wars each and every week with the great John Mills over on Aggressive Negotiations. But as always, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now you hear. here.